As we see some movement at the takeoff zone, it's Kelly Slater grabbing rail. A clean entry, this thing holding open, it spits. When it spit me, I thought it was going to spit me off my board. Comes out with the spit, spits him out. Comes out after the spit, gets spat out of another good looking wave here. Spit, spit, spit. We're just spitballing, right? Yeah, I got you the funny thing is because you don't ask me. No, I met your wife. I'll tell you everything if you wanted to know. Don't you have kids? No, what are you talking about, dude? You know? Um, it's it's sad to me how little you know about me in this amount of time. It's, it's a real <laughs> sign of the lack of our friendship. Keep it strictly We don't really have a friendship. I wish we, we had don't. a deeper friendship. We it's, we're hey. just not in the same zone. No, you know what it requires? You to ask questions about what's going on in my life. I do. I'm always like, when is she getting pregnant? Exactly. Uh, we're live, by the way. <laughs> oh, my God. You're kidding. <laughs> you know we're always live. By the oh. way, do you want that padded chair? I'll go grab that if you want. I got, sure. I mean, I've got a fancy one. about this one? Oh, yeah. This one's a little more stainly. This is nice. Kidding I mean, me? this whole location... I have no idea where we are or what this is. Right. Can well, give me the yeah, we're down? at the House of Trestles. This is a youth hostel. It's owned by some, I don't really know. I think the guy's name is Josh who owns it. We just met John, who's one of the managers. Right. There's also Holly, who's a manager who I spoke with on the phone. Now, I did an interview here. Um, the very first podcast I did with the horrible audio with Greg Cruz from Surfing America. No. Really? Remember that one? The very oh, first boardroom pod. The very first boardroom no, podcast. The very first boardroom pod was American Wave Machines, Willie McFarland. Oh, was it? it I think oh, we I did, did a great cruise one, and then we tacked it we on tacked at the end of Spit. That's, that's what right. it was. So okay. I did it here, and I'm like, oh, this is a cool place. And it's obvious they're, they're welcoming uh, for you and I to, to probably do more than just this one. So. so I had no idea what I was walking into, and I was um, impressed like I thought it was like some sort of I thought they were involved in board building somehow like maybe it was a glassing facility that I was unaware of uh, just when I walked into that front door because there was a bunch of surfboards lined up in that little room I guess mm-hmm. it's where they keep keep the surfboards for people who are uh, staying here to surf and so when we walked into this room which is more of a living space I was like holy cow this is the nicest glassing facility I've ever been in but it makes more sense that it's a hostel yeah I just met some so I guess we're recording, so let me just say good morning. You're listening to Spit, David Lee Scales. I'm Scott Bass. Surfers are the worst. We're here to uh, do our twice-monthly discussion. And um, we are at the House of Trestles, which is what David's speaking of. And it's a cool little youth hostel, and I was just I just met some an Italian guy and a Switzerland girl. And then everyone else is from, like, Mission Viejo. <laughs> <laughs> They're like 20 miles away. Like there's a guy from San Diego, a guy from Encinitas, a guy from Mission Viejo, and a guy from Laguna Beach. That's funny. I'm like, really? You're staying here? And the guy's like, I got to surf, man. I guess. Yeah. Trying to catch the offshore winds yesterday, right? Yeah. Did you have that down in San Diego? Oh, yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. Big offshore wind event. Santa Ana event. I know. So you call them the Santa Anas there too, even though... See, I always thought... Scott has the most perplexed look on his face. We've been calling him Santa Ana since no, but I 1850 know. or whatever. Well, I know you guys um, benefit from the same wind pattern. I just didn't know if the name Santa Ana came from the Santa Ana wind gap, right? Is it between the mountains? Oh, I, you know what? You probably know more about this than me. I didn't know that's why it was called Santa Ana because there was a gap between like the local foothills and 
that's off what the I think five it is. near Santa Ana. Yeah, and the town of Santa Ana is in Orange County. Right. So I didn't know if we just had that. We probably did co-opt it. I bet okay. I don't know. We'll have to do some research, but it wouldn't surprise me if we co-opted the term to just kind of cover the entire Southland of Santa Ana wind. Right. Okay, but you yeah. do call it Santa Ana. Oh yeah. Too bad that all that we had tons of swell, and then as soon as the favorable winds show up, swell dropped. Just yeah, the wind like, always blows it down a little bit, too, I think, because yeah. it's such a strong wind. But I've had years where it is overhead with that couple of days of Santa Ana winds, and it's like everything aligns. But No, you're right. I, I can remember some great days, winter days. Yeah. Well, what's up, dude? Um, you just got a speeding ticket. I did. I got a speeding ticket. That's the price we pay for podcasting. Listeners don't know the plight of the podcaster. Driving up here from Encinitas, speeding. I I figure um, with the amount of time that we spend on the road coming to record podcasts, you just got to get, you're going to assume that we're going to get, well, you and I both got a ticket for turning right or left at where we shouldn't have one day. You get a speeding ticket occasionally. This might be a good time to say, hey, look, what we're suggesting if you're listening to our show is... um, I don't know. How about five bucks a month? Half your subscription for Netflix. Yeah. If you can send. send and, and what's our PayPal account to do that to? Spitpodcast.com. There's a donate button. Okay. Spitpodcast.com. Go there and donate $5 so that I can pay my speeding ticket. <laughs> and David can get a shampoo for his hair. We appreciate uh, <laughs> that. Seriously. If you enjoy what, what we do and you're a fan. And I get a lot of emails that suggest people do. Okay. And by the way. Thank you to those who have already donated. We've been oh, getting yeah. donations. We appreciate it. But um, Speaking of it, did you see I texted you the DM that I got with somebody super kind comment from the guy saying that he uh, relocated yeah. from Australia to Bali. Huge fan of the show. A lot of kind he of... credits you and I with sort of reinvigorating his surf lifestyle for him changing, being sort of buttoned up in a cubicle and moving yeah. to Bali and changing everything about his life. Talking about being a business owner and pretty much sinking into clinical clinical depression. And uh, you quote, you guys were the lifeline to the one thing that gave me respite from myself, surfing. Um, and goes on to explain how he relocated, brought his family, and he's happier than ever and surfing more than ever and all that sort of stuff. Which kind of brings me back to a follow-up from last week, which is, um, are you a surfer or not? The question that me driving away from the Rosas hurricane in northern Baja and you questioning the validity of my surfness, quote-unquote. Yeah, I mean, it's actually a legitimate question, and it it kind of... From the 30,000 foot level, it, it, I think everyone has to at some point, at least I notice that I'm starting to question myself, where am I in my self identity as I get older, and realize I'm not as capable as I once was, nor do I have the quite the level of surf stoke that I once had, I have sort of a different level now, you know, like I'm not always just jonesing to go out no matter what. Right. right totally. And so David drove away from really good waves, which is like a whole nother level of you're not identifying as a surfer. Like, are you and I know you're comfortable not identifying as a surfer. And you and I spoke about how I can be uncomfortable identifying as a surfer um, because it's a little there's a little bit of the whole Spicoli thing. There's a little bit of the whole there's a lot of baggage, at least in Southern California, that comes with identifying with a surfer. 
And, and some of that stuff spills over internationally. Are surfers lazy? It's been suggested, yeah, we are. Are we um, dirty? Yes, <laughs> maybe we're a little bit dirty, you know? So uh, are we drug users? Yeah, it's been suggested that, that, so there's all of this stuff that comes along with, oh, you're a surfer. Like you wouldn't want to go into a job interview and go, yeah, I'm a surfer, no. you know? That's like the last thing you want to do. And if that's the last thing you want to do, it kind of, you need to question why you identify like with that, you know? Yeah. Well, it is an interesting topic, and it came up organically on the show, but um, I've gotten more listener feedback about that one topic than we have in a very long time. Please. And, of course, I've thought about it a lot uh, since then because I was formulating my thoughts on air, and I had more clarity when people chime in and give their version of the story or the way that they interpreted it or just how they identified it. Maybe re-go re there real quick. Summarize what yeah. you did. I mean, my thought was – or the way it came up was um, – the Hurricane Rosa was forecasted to hit. And so I was in Baja, which is an ideal location for that swell. So I knew it was coming, but I was with a group of friends. We were scheduled to leave on Saturday. The swell was going to hit on Sunday. And you were like, how did you drive away knowing the swell was going to hit? And my thought was like, well, I surfed while I was there. I'm headed home to Southern California where the swell will also be hitting. So I'll surf there. And your thought is, no, no, no. It's going to be best in Baja. And it's going to be the swell of a, maybe not a lifetime, but the good. swell of a decade. Very, very good. Yeah. So you have to, you can't drive away from great, perfect waves, basically. And my thought was, no, I don't really care. Like I'm past the point of organizing my life around swell events, you know? With the caveat of, I've surfed while I was there, and I'm going to surf when I get home. It's not as if I'm foregoing surfing completely. And um, so you're like, no, 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 cardinal rule. You you stay for the swell, you know? So, of course, I thought about it a lot since. And um, that identifying as question, I think, is an interesting one. Because the reason I shirk the surfer identity is because of the Spicoli stereotype that you're talking about. However personally i do identify as a surfer like everything in my world revolves around surfing and when i wake up no, i'm thinking not, about but see, but, see this is where we start to kind of go i don't i'm not sure everything in your life revolves around surfing or I, well, we'll discuss it i'm willing yeah. to defend it no no and and i'm willing to accept your you know that let's let's actually yeah it exactly i guess what i'm suggesting to you if you identify as a surfer my value system at, with the identification of the term surfer and my value system of what that means, what it means to be a surfer, is that when there's an incredibly perfect south swell hitting that's going to be, whatever, 6 to 8 to 10 feet, and you're at the perfect place for it, a surfer would not drive away from that. I mean, it, it could be argued 99.9% .9 of the surfers in Southern California would have been there if they could have been there or you know so anyway so your value system of what it means your you know the principles that you put on the identification of being a surfer are that no scott i'm allowed to drive away from perfect waves the swell of a decade the best swell down there since hurricane maria which was like four years ago um and i'm still a surfer it doesn't have anything to I, like and and so that's a that's a jumping off point yeah so i don't get the most out of my surf experience when all that i'm doing in my life is surfing if all i'm doing is waking up every day surfing all day every day 
honestly, that la- I could do that for three, four days, you know, until I'm actually bored. I'm not bored. saying that, though. You're, so, you're misconstruing no, no, no. what, what the situation was. No, what, I'm using that as a jumping off point for the, or to continue the thought, which is, so while I'm down there in Baja, I have other obligations in my life. I have the obligation to the group that I'm with who needs to be back for various events. I have obligation to people back in Southern California because I had things scheduled on Sunday. I have an employer I've got to show up for on Monday, all of these things. So sticking around for this swell would jeopardize those other things in my life. Therefore, I can I can kind of find balance in I'll surf while I'm there pre-swell and then surf the actual swell at home and life is in harmony. And if I'm checking all these boxes and life is in harmony, I actually get more out of my surf experience. I'm surfing better. I'm surfing probably more frequently because in that previous scenario where if all I'm doing is surfing all the time and my sole focus is surfing at all times, well, then you lose your job. Then you lose your family relationships. Then you can't afford wetsuits and surfboards and you're then not surfing anymore. So by finding the harmony and honoring the obligations, but again, in balance, still doing the surfing, I'm actually having a more fulfilled surf experience now than I was when I was 21 and organizing my life around swell. That's what I, I was surfing and, better then. And I think it's honorable that you are a responsible male citizen of this great state of California. And, and, and I don't, I'm serious, like I get it. I think that if you're going to lose a job or lose a relationship because of a decision you've made to stay, then I get it. The reason that surfers have this, the reason that you don't go into a job interview and go, hey, I'm a surfer, is because of situations like this. Like a surfer would selfishly shirk his responsibilities, shirk his job, um, you know, sort of derail relationships for surfing a massive perfect, like this wasn't an event, David, where you're like, it's three feet. I should go home because I'm. I don't want to. This was a situation where you could have probably contacted your loved ones. Oh, yeah. You didn't miss. A, you didn't miss any work because it was a Sunday. You could have surfed Sunday. You know what I mean? I'm not saying I could have pulled. I'm not it off. saying like don't you. call anyone and go off the radar for a week and people are going where is he and you know and right. then you come home sheepishly and you had great waves but you've got to deal with all of these things that you screwed up. I'm saying um, you could have stayed Sunday and surfed and driven home Sunday night and gotten insane waves and still pulled off. I know you would have missed some Sunday relationship, a family thing, sure. it was your birthday or whatever it was. But um, but it's almost more about, it's almost more not even about you or I, but it's about what does it mean to be a surfer? It's like, what is our definition of what it means to be a surfer? And I would suggest to you that, that Taking on the responsibilities and meeting the responsibilities and doing the right thing doesn't necessarily always coincide with what it means to be a surfer. Sometimes you have to drop everything and say, you know what, fuck it. Excuse my French, here's a dollar in the cuss jar. I'm sorry for that. But it was a good use of the F word right there. I'm staying here because it's perfect. Or mm-hmm. it's going, you know, like there's a reason why you sometimes, I'm not saying every time, I'm not saying no. lose your job, but I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. And so, anyway, it's more about how do we define and how do the listeners define surfer? Like, if you, yeah. if we could ask you guys to send us an email with, well, they, with a with a paragraph of your definition of a surfer, or however many words it needs. And I see, I'm completely excuse you, Scott. God, Jeez. David, are you, no more coffee for you. Um, 
so I we've gotten a bit of that feedback in the last two weeks, and I want to redefine what a surfer is, basically, or I think that it's time we redefine what a surfer is because that Spicoli stereotype. I don't know anybody who identifies with it, to be honest. I agree, but I'm not saying that's Piccoli. I'm saying that's no, I know. that's hardcore commitment to your lifestyle. No, I totally agree with that. Here, I've got something. I posted something on the Spit Instagram, which David refuses to follow or even comment on, I've noticed. I'm, I'm deleting that you've portion ne- out of the show right now, so nobody can even hear it. You've never once, you're embarrassed by my Instagram that I created called Spit Podcast. Please go to it and... I wrote, I'm sure you read what I wrote. I didn't know, read it. Well, Chris Rainbow sent a picture of an Italian cream puff wrapper, right? La Dolce Fagottino. Yeah. And he wrote, he wrote something and I basically copied what he wrote. He wrote, is David an Italian chocolate cream roll for driving away from Epic Baja Surf? Question mark. At least one listener believes so. And that was rainbow and then somebody else wrote and this is sort of more about getting into the meat and potatoes of this subject hey this is a great topic i've had to miss stand-up barrels the last two days out here near the outer banks because of obligations and i'm nearly sick to my stomach had to surf waist high virginia beach instead cuss word cuss word cuss word so he feels bad about it you don't have any regrets at all about what I get your a little bit of the were. twinge, but I guess I've worked past that. I know exactly what he's talking about, and I did feel that fear of missing out through basically every swell after college for probably five years. Once I got a real job, and it was like, especially when Instagram comes out, and I look and someone's getting barreled in the morning at my local beach, I'm just like, are you kidding me? But you can't go through life feeling that pit in your stomach every time there's a swell. You know what I mean? I've got I've grown past that point of like feeling wrecked by it, and I still feel the twinge of it. But this I'm moving is, on. But see, this is more about you purposefully drove away from a pumping swell at the best spot on the coast within probably a hundred miles either way, and. And you're okay with that. Like, we got to stay focused on that. Because I agree with you. Look, yeah. it's, it's probably pretty fun right now. Right. You know, but we're here doing this and I'm okay with it. Yeah. But you drove away. And that's really the topic. And again, neither good nor bad. Certainly worthy of a discussion of what it means, is David a surfer for driving away? And the best thing that comes out of this is that David's mature enough to go, I don't really care what anyone else has to say about it. I feel comfortable in my own skin. And others seem to think that, and then this even gets to a deeper thing, which is why do we give a, give a crap about David and what he did? Because it relates to everybody's life. Everybody else has thought about that same exact struggle. You right. know what I mean? Like they've been sitting at the desk wondering that. And so. But my uh, point is, guys are fishing and they're catching rainbow trout, and the one guy goes, Oh, I got to go because I've got um, a dinner date with the family for my birthday. And. He leaves, and it's the best fishing ever the next day. And nobody goes, hey, man, you missed all this. You're so lame for missing all the great fish we caught. You know, and I can't believe you did that, and you're not a fisherman. And this is where the whole surfers are the worst thing comes in. It's like, who gives a crap? Why are we even talking about this? No, it's funny. It's funny. It is unique to surfing where there is a lot of surfer-on-surfer crime 
always. You know what I mean? That's like a good bumper sticker. <laughs> I mean, it's surfer on surfer. Crime. It's true though. Like we're the first. You and I are the first to poke fun of all the commentators on the WSL yes. or whatever. It's right. like whoever's doing what we're doing. We want to make sure they're cool enough to fit in with us. And if they're right. slightly not, then we're going to highlight their shortcoming and call it out. And then you're not in the tribe. And anymore. that is just a manifestation it, of the largest insecurity ever. Like, yeah, surfers yeah, are really, really insecure. I, so I'm not trying to be holier. I'm not trying to be more pious than anybody. It's like I truly don't care if other people define me as a surfer. Right. I long ago committed to just surfing down the beach away from the crowd. Yeah. Even if the waves are a third as good down the beach, yeah. I'm like, screw it. I just don't want to be a part of that anymore. I'd right. rather just have my own experience. And I enjoy surfing more now than I ever have before. I feel like my fundamentals are stronger than they ever have been before in terms of like actually surfing. Um, in many ways, you're at a higher calling. You're at a higher level. But then I you, sound like a pious but, dick to even say those well, things. Well, let's you just know? do so it I'll for, the, you say for the sake of scientific like categorization okay there's surfer here and then the next level up the ability to go down the beach and surf waves that are a third as good but you want to do it just because you need your experience to be fulfilled on a level that others don't even understand that is being you are now a higher being for lack of a better phrase let's just call it you're at a higher categorization you are a wave rider you are no longer a surfer oh. You're a place that we all should strive for, which is riding waves without any of the BS, any of the dogma, any of the insecurity about, oh, my God, can you believe David left? Any of the things that, quite yeah. frankly, I would spit out at you, like, you know, and point my finger in some sort of high and mighty, that guy's not a surfer BS. Uh, I'm you're so a wave glad, rider. I'm so glad you didn't use I the strive, term soul surfer. I strive to get to where you're at. Thank you, Scott. Yes. I did not see this going this way. Now, let's um, continue to but, rip you because I've got another. <laughs> but, but all those things that you just said, yeah. the dogma and wanting to point, doesn't all of that create animosity and anxiety in you, in the person spewing it? Absolutely. That So I've kind of, that's what I'm saying is like, I'm just past the point of even caring because I recognized participating in all of that and competing at the pier, trying to get the best waves and looking at the guy who got the best wave and seeing how hard he ripped it and how I wasn't surfing that good. All of that stuff just created things in me that I don't like feeling. And it really stripped the fun out of surfing. In many ways, you don't like feeling like a surfer. surfer. You want to feel like a wave rider. That is correct, Scott. Put this these down into a book. Put these down, principles down into this a book. This is fascinating. So yeah, now it's like, okay, well, if I want to just go do it, on, now I definitely don't care how people categorize it. And I'm fully okay with redefining what it means. You know, like, I, that's why I don't want to identify with the Spicoli and all that stuff. I'm fine just living my own experience, not having to defend it, not having to explain it. Not, But as we've discussed this, a lot of people have chimed in. Now, I think you and I, over the years of doing this, I think you and I both live in our own little echo chambers where it's like, whatever your stance is on the show, you have a group of friends who text you afterwards and are like, you're so right, David's so wrong. And then I got a group of friends who are like, one in particular is like, if you're past the age of 30 and you have kids and surfing is your main priority in life, you're a douchebag, you know, basically. <laughs> is he basically pointing me out? Is your friend pointing at me? I think just the general internet, the way yeah, that he's yeah. just pointing at those people on the internet. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so 
I live in that echo chamber where people are patting me on the back going, yeah, David, drive away from the swell. So it's always funny to hear. Well, I actually agree with you. I, I think that like I, I don't I'm not in jest when I say that you're sort of at a higher place. Now, internally, I would struggle with driving away from a really good swell because I want to ride waves. I don't want to surf the waves. I'd rather be a wave rider, you know. Yeah. Like at that. Because yeah, yeah. to me, that's. That's always, I, I guess I've bitten the hook, the John Severson hook of, you know, surfers will, will forever be on the search for that elusive perfect wave, you know. And so I've sort of un, maybe sadly been caught up in that anxiety of, oh, if it's going to be good there, I hope I'm there. You yeah, know? see, I am caught with the same hook, Scott, but I'm looking for the metaphorical wave. I'm chasing the endless wave. It's not an actual wave in the ocean. I'm. It's a figurative <laughs> feeling of stoke i guess in life in just kind of this perpetual oh so you're searching for serenity you're but, searching for the part of it for the yes for sure you're searching for the ability to match calamity with serenity life's daily doses of getting a speeding ticket and all that with the ability to handle it uh for, at a higher level where you're not letting it get you down and surfing is a part of it it is a part of it I, by the way you handled the speeding ticket really well it has not ruined your day. I no. expected you to be upset, and this is, you're not upset at all. No, no, no. Amazing. I, I, I chalked that up to, I, I won't, I'll tell you off, <laughs> I'll tell you off the air. I don't want to sound pious either. Um, well, what's funny, the reason why I mentioned this follow up conversation the last episode is there's actually been a number of articles about this. Go ahead, read your comment. Go read it. I don't want you to lose your thought. No, I won't. I've got it. Right other now. comments on this uh, yeah. is David an Italian cream roll thing. Captain Clark on Instagram says he absolutely is. It sounded to me like scales wimped out. And then he has these great emojis of like you getting your nail polish done. And there's a mermaid and there's like a Tinkerbell. <laughs> so well done with the emojis, Captain I, Clark. I, I um, will say, and this isn't. Oh, and then the chop hop shat the bed was another commentary. See, we're living in our own echo chambers, dude, because <laughs> I got the opposite of those. But I will say it was not, uh, I wasn't afraid. Like, I mean, David wimped out. It's like, okay, yeah. I'm, the size of the swell wasn't a factor in the decision making. Um, by the way, my father, we were at dinner, uh, might have been, well, it was for my birthday, but it was after we had published that. My dad was very upset about your Instagram. Really? Yeah. The, the, the cream roll thing? Yeah. He's like, I, and I didn't know he even followed your account, but he's like, I was so, he's like, I wanted to comment, but I knew if I commented, it would just create a bunch of backlash. <laughs> like, oh, David's dad's jumping in to defend him. And Look, I was like, dude, I don't feel, my dad doesn't fully get the way social media works, you know? And yeah. like, lots of it is throwing playful barbs to just uh, engage people like fans That's like engage was. yeah totally yeah, it was a playful bar but i'm trying more than anything to get you to engage like yeah, my, yeah. this instagram will be a success the day that you actually exactly. chime in i'm doing everything and i can and i'm gonna have to change strategies and be you really do. nice to you here's here's my issue by the way did your dad ask you about the grandkid no he did not. when is it coming see uh <laughs> my dad and i have a close enough relationship to where we're on the he's on the same wavelength he understands when the grandkid is coming right. in the you know, in the timeline. Is he, he building a guitar for him I, in the garage? Isn't he building a guitar? For, you didn't get the hint? No, Scott. All right, I, left, um, I, I took you down a rabbit hole. Let's go back to what you were um, Your dad was mad. 
Yeah, he was mad the at the Instagram. Okay, so the reason why I can't co-sign the Instagram. Right. Using because you've got you're a control freak. I, I, oh, I am a control you're a freak. brand control freak, and you're like that's not the brand messaging. Yeah, Fagatino using Fagatino. First just, of all, this is something that was sent to us by a listener privately, and then you publish is, it. Well, so, I don't even know what a Fagatino is. Is that like isn't well, that really a cream roll? It is, but you're using it as a derogatory term to say to that God, I drove away I from the. I swear swap. to you on the Holy Bible, I didn't even know that until this morning when I just now looked at it that it said Fagatino on it. I'm not even kidding. Like I just like posted it real fast. See, so that's even worse to me. So if you're just posting <laughs> Instagrams without even reading no, what I you're was, public, was, that is that is the exact reason why you shouldn't be the running the account. But my point is, Fagatino is a derogatory term. Obviously, isn't it a cream roll? I don't know. Come on, on, don't play stupid. So for me, I'm looking at it going, holy crap. If we are representing sponsors on this show and brands and stuff like that, I I don't want to be associated with this. So number one, it's tone deaf. Number two, it's just off brand. I didn't Number three, it's offensive. Look, we've been offensive and and sort of tone deaf before. In certain ways, it's... we, some of the reason that people enjoy the show is that we kind of just we're we're just kind of off the cuff like we're, yeah we don't, I agree we don't come into it all like you're, super polished irreverent is one thing well I did not I apologize if I insulted you or you your father or because I didn't know I swear I kid you not I had no I, I just now read the Fagatino part I just I thought find it was that hard to believe I'm, are you calling me a liar uh no thank you no. I don't think you would lie. I would say if I... Yeah, I don't think you would lie. But... Now um, I'm looking you in the eyes. I'm like, dude, are you, are you no, calling no, no. a liar? No, no, But <laughs> if you're post... So that's another problem, though. If you're posting it without but even reading what it is... But it's not a problem yeah. because that's the nature of what we do is that it's mm. sort... I, I'm not saying that it gets a pass. I'm not saying it's the it was right. But I'm saying if the nature of what you and I do on this podcast, like what we're doing right now, which is basically just riffing and freeballing and spitting... Right, It'll be that's what show. this represents. This represents just oh, you know what? This was sent to me by a listener. I'm going to post it up and mention it, yeah, and say, hey, go listen to the pod. I think there's that's more. All that it was. I think there's more sensitivity with what we do on air than that particular post represented, and there's also more critical thinking with what we do on the air than that particular post represented. So, like, I could appreciate the sentiment of the post. And what you're getting at, it, it was the wrong image. I should probably take it down. It was the wrong image. I was just like, ooh, yeah, I'm not sure that we should be doing this. But then I didn't want to message you. I didn't want to text you and be like, hey, you should take that down. I wish you then, No, because then you'd be like, control freak. Ah, oh, David's feelings are hurt. That's why he's asking me to take it down. It's like, no, no, no. That has nothing to do with my feelings hurt. It's just maybe a little tone deaf is all. But anyways, hey. I, it it's, was it's, definitely it's, a mistake on my part not to look. I just figured, oh, it was just a picture of a rapper and that. I thought it was more like, oh, David's a cream roll. That would be fine. That's that's all I, I was like, is David yeah. a cream roll? You know, like, right, right. I didn't even get, and I guess it is tone deaf. I guess I should have looked at so, it deeper. Should I take this off? Should I just delete? This? I don't know. I have nothing to do with that account, and, I, and I'm not <laughs> oh associated God. with it. So, oh my God. although when I was posting a bunch of Oprah memes this past week, somebody did comment on it. They're like, "My God, did Scott take over your account?" Oh, great. <laughs> Which I thought was funny. Um, <laughs> So, hey, what I wanted to talk about, though, was since we've had this conversation of how surfy I am, there's been multiple articles on various surf websites about the exact topic. 
various articles about people saying what does it mean to be a pro what does it mean to actually be a surfer which i thought was interesting i think we you stimulated the conversation have come to the conclusion that what we do know is that there's a higher calling for us there's something beyond surfer which is better which is wave rider which is the ability to um to not be shackled by one sort of the spicoli irresponsible dirtbag drug user image and two um to understand that our experience in the ocean isn't really about all the drapery of what i wear and how i look and the board i ride and all that it really boils down to my special moment or david's special moment down the beach by himself with the dolphin with the crappy little wave but the peace and the joy that it brings you and that's what it is to be a wave rider which which I think brings you closer to a spiritual understanding. And, and this is from the guy who hates the whole concept of tying in surfers with spirituality because there's such a, I know. a dichotomy it, there. It feels so cliche even just as we're discussing. And beyond it. cliche, it's, it doesn't, it's, it's not um, congruent. Like I can yeah. say wave riders and spirituality, there's a congruency there based on the way we've discussed that definition of a wave rider. But surfer, I think... There's nothing too spiritual about me pointing a finger at you going, you're lame, bro. You know, I'm just trying to build like bro capital with the other surfers out there. Even in that, I, I'm even um, creating qualifications as you're giving that example because I'm thinking, yeah, my experience in doing what you're saying is totally valid. But if you told me it was somebody who hasn't surfed in 10 years, let's say, or five years, and they still identify as a surfer because they do get to surf once every five years and they're super zen out about it. I would look at that with a little bit of judgment and be like, well, no, that's not, you're not really a surfer. So no, I, you need to excavate why you're throwing exactly, judgment on it. Exactly. And, and the reason is, and I'm going to tell you the reason I think it is, is that there's an insecurity. Most, because you're basically, you resent, you're resenting it, right? And most resentments come from an insecurity. Like you're just replaying in your head a resentment. You're replaying in your head something that was told to you about why you're not a surfer. And you're just kind of like putting it on this other person. Yeah. Well, I and you know what? First of all, they didn't even identify as a surfer. They might be a wave rider. Right. So I've got a, the perfect email. Okay. We're going down a rabbit hole. I don't no, even no, know. No, if this, are we making is, sense? This is down that rabbit hole further. Listener emailed last time after last show and said, Dear Spit. As coach of my son's middle school surf team, I'm always looking for teachable moments like, quote, don't be a dick in the water, respect everyone out there, especially the older surfers just trying to grab a wave or two after work, don't paddle for every wave, be encouraging to your teammates, you get the idea. So in the days leading up to this week's practice, I was thinking of which pearls of wisdom I would impart, and after a recent conversation with my son's friend, I became inspired. I took my son and a few of his friends to practice the other day, and up walked a teammate who had already been surfing. He saw his mates and immediately pelted them with this verbal assault. Quote, do you guys just get here? I've been surfing for an hour. It's so good. The tide is getting higher, so the waves are going to get worse. You should have been here an hour ago. What's wrong with you guys? You're totally blowing it. End quote. My son and his friends were used to this guy, so they let it slide, and, uh, but it rankled me. And I kept thinking... Where does this come from? What drives this kid to be such a yanker? Luckily for me, though, I now had my dad's sermon, my day's sermon uh, subject. 
I would talk to them about being a decent person and thoughtful surfer. As I was walking to the pre-surf team meeting, I saw that kid's dad barely got out a hello when he told me he had just scored so heavily the day before. <laughs> a 10 out of 10, an epic day, never seen it better. Roping, pros were out. Of course, dad, uh, dad scored mid-morning when I was ensconced in work, uh, so there was little chance that I could have joined him. At least now, though, I didn't have to wonder where his son learned how to one-up his friends. The exchange occurred yesterday, and today I listened to your latest podcast, which was so apt and timely. I get it now. They're gloating and reveling in what they got, and what I missed out on is rooted in their own insecurities. Even on my best day surfing, I downplay it, thinking, why make the other person feel uh, crappy about having missed it? They know they missed it. And they know, and it's usually for a good reason. Most likely, there was a work or family obligation. This doesn't make them less of a surfer, not in my opinion. My son, fortunately, has followed in his dad's footsteps and usually offers a straight-up surf report with few embellishments, a nice attribute for anybody, but especially for a 12-year-old boy. I'm proud of him. Thanks for hearing me out. I love listening to Spit, but the last two podcasts really resonated. Please keep the content coming. Wow, that's a great email, and he sounds like a wonderful father, so I'm stoked for... Nailed it, though, right? He did. He did. It's fascinating, yeah. the whole concept of insecurities and the things that are manifest from those. In this case, guys gloating about their surf sessions, and it's all about me getting, you know, showing you how much better I am than you, which is, you know, a complete 180-degree turn from how I really feel about myself. I feel shitty, so i got to judge you use my ego to prop myself up because deep down I'm spiritually sick and the yeah. manifestation is Preach. An insecurity. Preach Scott. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that spun off of that conversation, I was like, yeah, you know, Southern California, it's kind of hard to get away from it all. It's hard to ignore those things. And like you ever dream about just like, moving somewhere far away complete radical life change and yes so we were like well where would you live and we were trying to figure out the best locations you and i were doing that right? yeah that's yeah. what i'm saying yeah uh some a couple of people chimed in one guy said puerto rico good call is it yes i've never been have no, you been I, I have been and it is a good call and it was pumping there last week two yeah. weeks ago that leslie storm that leslie hung out in the atlantic for like a week or more just kept spinning around and moving around and we just pumped 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 winter puerto rico waves early season surf and for americans puerto rico makes a lot of sense you know um the other one that's obvious because of the recent quicksilver pro is just the south of france can you beat the south of france it's pretty awesome i would suggest to you portugal which is i brought some stuff about portugal that we'll talk about in a minute i would i could go for either of those well, i guess Portugal's cheaper that's why I say that. And, yeah. and you can just drive right up to the south of France totally. and surf and then just turn around and drive 45 minutes and be in Portugal. I know. It's way less expensive. It's less way more crowded. of a hotbed. It's way less crowded. It's, and there's no French people. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like there's more diversity of surf in Portugal too. You know, like France definitely has waves, but it's like Portugal, there's so many nooks and crannies. There's beach breaks. There's giant waves. There's reef breaks. There's, it's like there's everything. Yeah, I think Portugal is, would be an insanely cool call. And I've been there. I've surfed in Portugal. I did too. I was there like two years ago. Need to go back though. I was on a sailboat. I was on this really? large, tall ship sailboat. And I was working on it. I was like a bosun's mate or whatever. And, um, and the swell was pumping. And the captain's like, you should go surf. And he, we jumped in his dinghy. And he took me to this 
somewhere near Cascai, somewhere near Lisboa, like relative, you know, within 20 miles or 15 miles. And there was some jetty and I just jumped off and I surfed some jetty and it was, it was super fun and glorious. I remember some boogie boarder kid came out and we, we had a good time and talked and stuff. And, but anyway, Portugal, yeah. for sure, for sure. Portugal. Food's great. When you're hiring for a small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. And there's no faster or effective way than through LinkedIn jobs. Your time and capital are precious, and there is a powerful resource that can help you focus on what you're good at and integrate people into your team seamlessly to help grow your business. LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to find the right professionals for your team efficiently and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. Everyone is already on LinkedIn with their resumes and references, and now LinkedIn has designed a hiring platform to connect you with candidates specifically qualified for the job that you post about. More than a billion professionals meticulously organized to connect people by skill set to help us all advance our position. 2.5 million businesses already use LinkedIn for hiring, and 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. It's that fast, easy to use, and effective. LinkedIn Jobs can help you write job descriptions, filter the right person to you, and give you the tools to help you interview them like a pro. LinkedInjobs.com surf is where you go to post your job for free. Yes, totally free. Free. That's linkedinjobs.com slash surf to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I have, um, this might be a good time unless you got some things. Because I have a little history of Portugal that I'd like to break it down, comment. dude. I'm just going to. Uh, in in uh, memory or celebration of the. Uh, WSL event that we're watching right now? Kind of. That's kind of why I put this together. Did you watch it this morning? I did. Not this morning. Um, actually, I did. I yeah. did watch some round two heats this morning. I was up at 4 a.m. I woke up. No, it was re- end of round one. End of round one. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I watched the last few heats of round one, and then I watched round two while I was driving down here. Do you watch the WSL in your car while you're driving? No. That would be dangerous. I do all the time. That's kind of weird. I know. I'm, I'm more listen to it than watch it, but yeah. I can prop my phone up perfectly in my line of vision. And so um, it's not really that dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> I don't recommend other people doing it, <laughs> but I will do it for sure. If, a, if an event's yeah. on, this is not oh, an absolutely official good. spit podcast. Uh, <laughs> Speaking of, uh, yeah, not wanting to represent brands and people inappropriately uh do not do this do not uh, do what david does this comes from the encyclopedia of surfing matt warshaw's wonderful book portugal along with having one of europe's best surfing coastlines portugal is also home to one of the world's fastest growing surf cultures portugal has rideable surf all year but the biggest and most consistent waves arrive from october to march in response to the North Atlantic storm season. 
The country's 530-mile coast can be divided into two surfing areas. The mountainous and craggy region north of Lisbon is rich in surf, including a handful of world-class breaks, and can be rainy and cool. The rolling bay-lined coast south of Lisbon has a Mediterranean climate and fewer surf spots, many of which break only in winter. Coho, a fast and hollow right-breaking reef point located 30 miles northwest of Lisbon, is Portugal's best and best-known surf spot. Other spots include Cabadeo, Cabadeo, a wedging jetty break in Figueroa de Foz. I apologize, I'm butchering these names. The sand bottom tubes at Lisbon's Carcavelos and the rock-lined point at Arafana in the south. Portugal also governs two sets of Atlantic islands, Madeira and the Azores, both, both more than 500 miles off the coast. Volcanic in origin and containing a small number of first-rate surf breaks, the air temperature in Portugal ranges from the low 50s in winter to the high 70s in the summer, while the water stays cool all year between 52 Fahrenheit in the winter and 67 in the summer due to upwelling and chilly north to south Atlantic currents. Hazards include urchins and sharp volcanic rock reefs. David, there's much more to read. I don't want to bore the listeners too much, but that gives them a sense of oversight, uh, some oversight, I should say, about what we just talked about. And you should go to the Encyclopedia of Surfing and... um, take a gander and learn more about Portugal. Three bucks a month, by the way, to support Matt Warshaw's EOS.surf ongoing project. Yeah, I'm a subscriber. Yeah, it's a no-brainer. Madeira, though, Madeira and the Azores, that Madeira section in William Finnegan's Barbarian Days, I loved. Yes. Like, that sounded so dreamy. That was cool. Yeah. And Um, I remember in that book, he got into a little bit of trouble one big day, one big swell that was growing. Remember, the swell got bigger, and there was rocks that he had to deal with, and he dove in and was sort of testing his abilities again. And it's a fascinating, great book. Yeah, he did a really good job with that section or with the book in general. Um, well, obviously, the WSL event is going on in Portugal right now. Well, do we back France to event. France? You probably yeah, talked we, France with... with um, I haven't. I haven't really chatted about it yet. Oh, okay. Um, well, Julian won. Julian and Courtney both... And here's the thing about Julian, right? Everyone, like, just the other day in the parking lot, this, this father and his son are like, we love Julian, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, look, David and I love Julian, too, except you just never know what Julian you're going to get. Like, I left him off of my team because I'm like, it's time for a letdown, you yeah. know? And yeah. now I, that's kind of how I feel with Portugal. But now I'm all in with Julian for the rest of the season. Because <laughs> it's fascinating, right? Because really what we have is Felipe, Gabriel Medina, and Julian Wilson. Those three are the three that are going to be in the running for the world title, right? Unless something drastic happens in Portugal. Those are the only mathematic. Okay, so what we have is we know they're all great surfers. So this is where it comes down to who's got the headspace. And you and I, I can look you in the eye and we both would say that Gabby's the guy we think has the best headspace. Gabby's the the safe bet of those three. Exactly. But my spirit is in with Julian. I want Julian to win the world title. Yeah. Now, conspiracy theorists would say, who does the WSL want to win the world title? Yeah. And if, those are, if you could script it, I would suggest to you they would want Julian to win the world title. He hasn't won one. Or, or Felipe even would work well for the WSL. Yeah, but maybe. The problem with Felipe is he gets an asterisk. 
Like, we want Felipe to win a world title when he gets into round so four or the, semi, the quarters at eight-foot Chopu. And, and we're like, okay, he is a good world title, world champion. And that's why Felipe's not in this conversation as much is because pipeline factors into the world title. Yeah. Uh, and Gabriel's made multiple finals out there, one of which was against Julian. Julian's won the pipe masters before, so he is a pipe master. So if you look at that, those guys are really evenly matched at pipe. They've both done well in Portugal. I think Julian's won Portugal again, again in a final against Gabriel Medina once. He's won there, so they're Gabriel always breaks late in the season, which he is doing this year as well. So Gabriel could very well just he and he's in first place, so he's doing better on the points, and he's made finals at both these events. So Gabriel's the safe bet. I'm going with Julian. You're pulling up the comp right now. I, I know. I was going to ask if we could get their Wi-Fi. I've got their Wi-Fi, but oh, I do. don't know what the password is. I did uh, it last no time. No big deal. No big deal. Um, just stay engaged in the conversation, though. I will. Don't abandon me completely. I'm, I'm not. Julian. Uh, so Julian, though, I don't want to jump ahead in the notes, but he is my Duke, and it's because of the way that he won in France. was awesome. It was so awesome, and I feel like it was, it's was. it been a culmination of the rest of the year. I don't know if you watched Peter King's tour notes. I heard France. it was really good. It, it was very good, and the last minute alone is a tearjerker. Uh, with Kaloha, you mean? No, oh. with Julian, uh-huh. because it's leading up to him winning the event. His wife and his daughter is the first event that they've been at that and then he there's the first event that they've been at period and he wins the event and he comes in and peter king's right there like capturing the whole thing and it's like hugs and kisses and crying and like the peter at or pierre agnes thing yeah yeah. you know where they did the moment of silence and julian was good friends with him because julian was on quick for so long right and so that really julian dedicated the win to him and he was even crying in his post heat uh, conversation with Strider on the jet ski while he was still in the water. Yeah. Julian broke down crying about it, reflecting cool. on Pierre. Like the whole thing was so emotional. So I'm watching this going, all right, did he peak too soon? In the course of the season, <laughs> did Julian... You pulled away just, from the tears to kind of give it a 30,000 foot level view real quick. Like just that. did Julian use it all, all the mojo in this event, and there's still two events left, Jules? Like, keep some in the tank. But my my thought is no. Julian has proven this year, and I'm going to say it might even be fatherhood. Julian's proven that he's driven by something now beyond what it was what was driving him before. And when he showed up at Snapper with a broken collarbone from that um, mountain biking accident two weeks prior, didn't even think he was going to surf the event. Literally, the day before the event, he was not planning to surf. He's like, shoot, if they call it on tomorrow... I'm not going to surf, but he woke up in the morning. And he's like, I'm going to drive to the event just to show up and like assess the situation, paddled out, surfed his heat, ends up winning the event, goes on. And he's had some challenges this year, most notably in Chopu. He lost to the wild card in round two with only one wave surfed. That was a complete but We wrote him debacle. off right after that. Yeah, We're like, exactly. you know what? His world title chances are done. We figured he was over. But this France thing was like, oh, he dug deep. Okay. And then by the way. The Surf Ranch Pro. Remember, he was going for the biggest backside, like a big spin kind of aerial maneuver, aerial to varial maneuver. And it was like, if he won, if he landed that thing, he would have won the event. And he had four waves to try it on, and he kept falling. And it's like, shoot, Julian, just stick, just don't do that maneuver, just stick 
a wave and you'll end up in third place rather than sixth, which will go to your world title points. And he just kept throwing caution at the wind going, no, 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 I know. I'm either going to land this and win the entire event and potentially a world title or not land it and throw away the world title. And he kept and he didn't land it subsequently got bumped down the world title rankings but i feel like that go for it go for broke attitude is what allowed him to win in france because he went for broke in the semifinal against gabriel medina he got the 10 doing the big backside air which was almost a reflection of the one that he wasn't landing at surf ranch so it was kind of like everything he did at surf ranch while it hurt him in the rankings it really set him up for, yeah, mentally for France, where he then landed it in a semifinal against his nemesis, Gabriel Medina. Yes. Sat Gabriel down, went on to win the event where he did another sick backside air in the final against Ryan Callanan. So it was like, I could see the year kind of, uh, it's all stepping stones. It's all coming together. Right. France was like, bang, it really came together. Right. We're really going to see if he can hold it together in Portugal. But his round one heat, he got the highest combined heat total of the entire event thus far. Yes. So he's holding it together thus far. I, Julian's my Duke of the Week. Delivering on his, on his potential. A great call and a great um, breakdown of his year in review and why, where he's at, while he's at. Have you ever had one of those sessions like in the afternoon where you're loose, you're comfortable, you're fired up, you're... You're just like everything is on. It seems like I always surf better in the afternoon. And I think most people do, unless you're just a young buck and it doesn't matter. But as far as my muscles and my bones and my energy level and and probably because I've been working most of the day and I'm just fired up to go out and surf, that was what it felt like watching that final in France. Like Julian was like having one of those afternoon surfs where everything was falling into place, where the comfort level was through the roof. Because he did more, like he was just surfing out of his mind on yeah. every single wave. Like, yeah. like there wasn't, you know, a drop of water out of place, so to speak, to use that old cliche. But the afternoon thing for me, I have noticed that it's because in the morning there's always the impending doom of the day, you know, of like, ah, oh, I'm gonna get back to my phone and there's gonna be a bunch of emails and I've got these obligations, I've got meetings throughout the day. In the afternoon, there's none of that. In the afternoon, like you said, work is behind you. And it's you're you're just mentally, I think, more free. A um, couple of things to comment about in France: this the judging was very suspect to me. I thought the judging throughout the entire season thus far has actually been very good, and it's been an improvement on previous years. The France event was really weird; like guys got robbed in heats. I, I think the the France event was was hard for the judges think so you know like it was like oh, what are we scoring here you know is this i guess there was some mention that they're you know they're sending out emails missives to the surfers every day like we're going to be looking for this today right. and we're going to be looking for that today and and then they wouldn't look for that and the and the competitors are kind of scratching their head going well why am i getting these emails saying that i should be doing this if this is getting judged all of a sudden because the bar moved and there was a tube section yeah now. exactly the waves change so much and the tide is so tide um, swing is so vast. But people are saying Wilco got robbed. I think it was in the quarterfinals. I know you were saying that somebody said, um, who was it, Idolo got robbed. There was just yes. a bunch of questionable things. Yeah, I thought Idolo got robbed in that heat. The Kaloe snaking Pat after the buzzer. Did you watch yeah, that? Yeah, that was just weird. 
That's a. What do you think about that rule? I okay, mean, a rule's a rule's a rule. I almost. I mean, if we're going to keep the rule, then guess what? Everyone knows about it now. Like, thank you, Kolohe, for letting everybody know about this rule. This has happened before, though. It happened at Lowers. Yeah. A mile from where you and I are sitting right now. But the rule makes perfect sense. The problem is um, it the lag time the, that the, the sound the end doesn't the sound, justify the means. No, no, no. The sound traveling from where they blow the horn oh, that's right. to getting to Kaloe, there's a lag time. So Kaloe didn't hear the buzzer. In the water, they did not hear the buzzer. So Kaloe went on Pat. But when you replay the tape, you can hear the buzzer happens before he stands up. And Kaloe's like, look, we were a quarter mile away and time or sound travels at this rate and in that amount of time it didn't get to me in time it's scientifically provable that we could not hear the sound so the wsl the rule makes sense they're implementing it incorrectly the buzzer needs to either be on the ski or on the competitor's wristwatch or something you know or they need to account for that lag so ultimately what happened for listeners we should probably explain it um he was beating pat gadowskis Pat needed a six. Soundly. Wasn't he beating totally. him soundly? Totally. It was Kolohe's heat. There's five seconds left. And Pat had priority. And a wave came. No. Kolohe had, I'm sorry. Kolohe had, had priority. But Pat was on the inside of a peak. Five seconds left. It's counting down. Yeah. Pat's like, I'm losing anyway. I'm just going to take off. Well, Pat, Pat's in position for the wave better. And Kolohe knows that he can use priority to burn Pat. Pat stands up before the buzzer. Buzzer goes off, which negates any priority. This is the end of the heat. Pat has a wave. Well, then Kaloe took off on him after the buzzer, technically, from where the buzzer was blasted. Well, you no longer have priority after the heat's over. So that was uh, classified as a snake. And then Kaloe's got, uh, you know, one wave basically cut in half, and he ended up losing the heat. Which makes sense. Technically, that makes sense. The, you, the rule is used correctly, except for the fact that the surfers, who are the only ones that matter, can't hear the buzzer at the same time that it's released. So, stupid rule. And honestly, it's just a bummer to see somebody who surfed better lose the heat. Yeah, that's the that's at the end of the day, that's the thing that it was such a, a clear victory for Kolohe and for basically, um, what's the term? Defeat being snatched from the jaws of victory. That's kind of what it was. I'm not <laughs> sure that's correct. You're looking at me like that's that's not a term. I like it. That's though. not a phrase. That should be a bumper sticker. <laughs> um, Surfers you know are the what, worst. You know what? Also, is a little. I mean, a little. Uh, I don't know. To just not cool is the amount of celebrating that the Gadowskis camp was doing on the beach. I know like, the camera cuts to them and there's pandemonium of like, what happened? Why did this happen? You as the fan are completely deflated by it happening. And then it cuts to them and they're like, yeah, like really celebrating, which I understand. They which made is it actually great for, for TV. Like it's, it's actually great because there's conflict and it makes you and I kind yeah. of cringe. Like in a way that's kind of good. Yeah. Even though it's not the way you would it's, want somebody to behave. And by the way, there was no malice. They were no, just excited. Totally. They're I don't blame to, them, but it was a contrast that you're con, that you're They're psyched at. to make it through the heat, but the contrast is with the fan themselves. Right. It's not with Kaloe. The contrast is with we're feeling sick, 
because something kind of unjust happened. Exactly. And then there's people celebrating the, what appears to be the injustice, right. which isn't. They're celebrating the win. Right. But it's kind of like, ooh, cringy. Yeah. If you knew you were on camera right now for everybody, you'd probably play it a little cooler. Right. You know? But like I said, the cringiness is what made it so yeah. great. Like, just isn't it great yeah. that we get to talk about yeah. the cringiness? Yeah. Well, um, well, it's a bummer for Kaloe, by the way. And he, I don't know if he surfed yet in round two because he lost his round one heat in Portugal. But it's like Kaloe surfing so good. And when stuff like that happens, it's like, oh, man. You want to tell him, dude, just keep your head up. Chin up, Kaloe. You're shredding. Your results do not reflect it. But you're surfing really, really well. And, and he's surfing correctly. Like he's surfing um, to the judge's criteria. He's surfing within the rules with the priority, all that stuff. He's making the correct decisions, and he's still losing, which is such a bummer. Yeah, so at some point, that stuff's going to all even out for him. I, I hope it comes back and helps him out. Well, Can I, I think we've done this before, but I'm going to tell you, and I was thinking about this, I'm going to tell you who's going to be the world champion next year. Okay. Not this year, but the 2019 world champion. It's not a big surprise, I don't think. Hit me. Kanoa Igarashi. Wow. He will be bold. He will be your world champion next year. That is so bold. Yeah. I don't think, I don't think it's be. that bold. Well, I don't think it's that bold at I know, all. I know why you're saying that, but that really undermines Felipe, Gabe, Jordy, uh, Idolo. What is it that Kanoa can't do that those guys can do better? Post tens. Kanoa can That's post a good point. Kanoa can post eights point. all day long. That's a good point. He won't post. But tens. can you post eights through eleven events yes. and be the world champion? Exactly. No, yes, no, no. you can. You can post. You eights. might not win a. You know, you might have two, 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 a bunch of seconds. You need to win events to be world champion. No, I'm not saying you won't win a few events. I think he won't. Okay, fair enough. I, I don't think I, he will. I like that you disagree with me. I think he's a perennial top five contender based on his current methodology i think his star is rising what and I, I think all the powers that be want his star to rise japanese surfer 2020 olympics he he ticks all the boxes the wsl loves him he's a pr dream i like kano a lot I and i like his consistency i like that he has proven us wrong i would like to see how many tens he's posted i'd like none. to see if you none on the ct I would like to see some stats on him, though, just so, just to see him. Just, I'd like to see what his heat scores is and all that. Maybe I, I surf think his, stats can help us with that. I think his heat scores are higher than anybody else's on average because he is the most consistent guy. Like he gets two eights consistently He's in heats, whether it's at a beach break or pipeline. He made the Pipe Masters final, right, against Michel Perez. None of us saw that coming. When he got on tour, we all argued, or our our big criticism was he's lightweight, and so he just doesn't look he's as big. powerful as Jordy does. He's like big. he's bigger now. He has. He's he's really built out his frame, filled out his frame, not to the level of, of course, Jordy or Michelle, because that's just anatomical, you know, and like physiological. I, think, I would suggest you Jordy's maybe too big. Maybe so. Certainly at Surf Ranch and places like that, yeah. but not at J Bay or Bells. Right. But that radical kind of whatever spark that Felipe and Idolo have, Kanoa doesn't quite have. I don't know I what he can do to that. get that. I'm, I'm not saying that he has the spark of Idolo and Felipe. I'm saying he will be the world ch champion. In a, in a, in a previous year. years, so they've changed the um, point allocation a little bit to where 
there's a bigger separation between first and second. Right. So first place Good. gets more points than, than they used, or second place gets less points than they used to, um, which means... Kanoa can win events. Which means you got to win events. Kanoa can win events. Okay. I know you're saying he hasn't. I think he can make semifinals regularly. I don't know about winning events. All right. So if he got, let's say he got second place all year long, that I think you could probably win a world title with that. Yeah, a PT world title. (laughs) Here's what's crazy. Julian Wilson is the only non-Brazilian to win an event this year. He's won two events. Wow. Every other event has been won by Brazilians. That is crazy. The overscored panda. The overscored panda has won an event. (laughs) Somebody just posted that on Facebook. I'm just reading the comments. There's some pretty funny stuff. Um, Well, also, another thing that happened in France that's worth discussing is the air show. Okay. Um, What was cool about it was the sort of 30-second boil down I got on my Instagram feed from the WSL. I saw everything I needed to see. Yeah, I agree. And and I'm, I'm not that... Air shows don't really do it for me. Really? I mean, I love aerials, but I mean, I can see them anywhere. I can I can watch a friggin' clip from Felipe, and I can watch a clip from Peter King. I can watch... I mean, there's tons of aerial out stuff going it's down. true. And no, it's weird. It's like, um, on paper, this looks like a great concept. And even as we've discussed it, I'm like all for it, fully supportive. But for some reason, it just doesn't resonate. It's it, and I'm I'm not saying I'm not for them. I'm just saying as a fan, I'm you know I'm not interested in watching them unless it's the boiled down version. But here's why I am for them because I do think it pushes the performance in the regular competition. I think the more guys put on jerseys and start doing airs, you're going to get a blending of these things where it's basically all turns into just a CT event. And yeah, there's guys busting airs because that's what they do. In other words, it becomes the new normal. It does, except for the fact that better airs have been done all season long in the CT event prior to the air show and even during the France event. Like the airs that Yago Dora did to Which win the event aren't as good as the airs Julian did right. to win the actual comp. Nor with the amount of pressure. Right. That's put on. Right. Which proves my point. I'm just saying that yeah, exactly. I think the more but you put on jerseys and have these like air yeah. events, the more it just solidifies, hey, this is why we're here to push th- and guys are doing it. You know? Yeah. And certainly we know the top four guys are already doing it. But I think the, the next yeah. level of guys are like, hey, it's time to get in the air. And we're a little tentative about doing it in our CT round two heat because we don't want to we want to move on. But since we're having an air show, let's do this. And the more they do this, the more it starts to translate and. Yeah, there's also an element, though, of um, there's an expectation. When it's an air show and somebody stands up on a wave, there's this element of expectation. Whereas when Julian Wilson's in a semifinal against Gabriel and he stands up on a wave, it's spontaneous. You don't know what to expect. We have an expectation that he's going to surf well, but we have no idea how he's going to paint the canvas, so to speak. So if the wave calls for a barrel... He gets barreled. If it calls for doing a giant carve, he does a giant carve. And if it calls for an air, he does an air. And not knowing which of those options makes it, it heightens the excitement. When you watch a guy stand up and just pump down the line looking for an air section, there's almost no way to fulfill the expectation. In many ways, it mirrors the Surf Ranch Pro. And that, look, exactly. we know that the wave's the same. Psychologically. And in this, in this way, we, we, we kind of 
contort it, we know that the maneuver is going to be the same. Yeah. You know, the wave will be different, but we know that they're all trying for the same maneuver. Sir French Pro, the wave's all the same. So it does take out some of that I think that's what it is. Yeah, that's what it is. It's a psychological experience of viewing that is different in those Now, where is, this has been brought up, I'm sure you've seen it. Where does Julian's air in France rank amongst the greatest airs on the CT? Thinking back to like um, Karamo, Karamas, right? Ilo's, Ilo's insane backside thing that he did. Um, of course, Felipe's air at J Bay, right? Wasn't that what that, that was insane, right? Um, there was some other one, I think maybe in France a year ago or somewhere. Felipe's backside three in France last year. Yeah, was that crazy. was just super crazy out yeah. out. out yeah. yeah, Julian's, uh, it ranks. It wasn't, it's not the top contender for me. Yeah. What I loved about Julian's is the section he did it on and how inverted he was. There was a real improvised element to it where you don't know if he's going to land or not, but it wasn't the most radical. Was that the ever quality seen. of the imagery part of that? Was yeah. It, that it was so foggy and weird and kind of hard to see. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas, like, but the one that Julian or that uh, Felipe did last year, oh no. It was actually Brazil this year was the one that I was thinking about, the huge backside three. Um, he just covered so much distance in that air that that part was spectacular, you know? Yeah. It was a more common rotation, but the distance was something. But I don't know. Julian's is undeniably amazing. Yeah. The inversion of it was cool. Um, one thing that's been highly noticeable for me in these past two CT events Kaipo and Pete Mel glad you fighting up. in the booth. Give me an example of this. I've heard this on, and I keep listening for it. Is it fighting? Is it sniping? What are they doing? Are bickering. they like you and me? It's you worse. and I? It's worse. It's bickering. They're full on bickering. Do you think they enjoy it and they're doing no. it on purpose? Kaipo seems rubbed wrong by Pete, which I don't know if you remember. I brought this up previously with Ronnie Blakey and Pete. Ronnie just seems so annoyed with Pete at all times. My personal take on it, everybody seems so to have a different two, opinion. According to you, there's two people that are rubbed wrong by Pete. Totally. Mel. That's what you're saying. And this for the same reason, I think. And that is what? Pete constantly interrupts them. Oh, like I do to you. <laughs> Very much so. So they'll be making a salient point and Pete just jumps in and interrupts them. Or they'll ask Pete something. Like obviously their job is to fill the time. So they'll ask Pete a question that will set up you would think a long-winded response and pete either doesn't answer goes a different direction completely or interrupts them while they're trying to get their point out so it's like they are pete's constantly stepping on his co-commentators and ronnie i i i like ronnie a lot period so like i just always kind of side with him and sympathized with him but I realized, okay, different personalities don't mesh, so maybe it's just their dynamic. But now that it's happening with Kaipo, and I think Kaipo's pretty level-headed, and he seems kind, and he seems generous He's in the booth. He's a super cool guy. Totally. By the way, Peter Mel's a very nice guy, too. But he just seems to not be able to pick up what people are putting down. That's my impression of it. Well, I think what it is, and this is actually one of my faults, too, is that we're not great listeners. Like, a great listener shuts his mouth, looks you in the eye and takes it in and then digests it. And and I tend to want, I, I, what happens with me is I get a thought in my head and I'm so concerned that I'm not going to get it out that I'll step on you to get it out. 
And that might be the case with Pete. I don't know. I, I haven't really noticed it as much as I've seen it on social media. People oh, really? Com people oh. are commenting about it right now on Facebook. Yeah. On their little... It's very obvious to me. Um, so you asked for an example. I thought of one while you're talking. <laughs> and you're not listening. <laughs> um, so this morning, Kaipo said there was an issue where uh, Owen Wright, I think it was, has very long arms. So he's paddling very fast. And Kaipo says, oh, wow, um, look at how fast he's paddling. Pete, what are some techniques, you know, that people can utilize to help them paddle? And Pete goes, I'm not a good paddler. I have big arms, but I'm not a good paddler. And then Kaipo's like, uh, well, then, um, I guess listeners will just have to figure out how to paddle on their own or something like that. And then Pete kind of picked it up at that point and goes, Oh, well, you know, um, I've spent a lot of time with Jamie Mitchell, and Jamie Mitchell's a world-class paddler. And one of the things that he's taught me is to arch your back or whatever, and he started then breaking it down. But there was like, clearly Kaipo's not saying, Pete, you're a world-class paddler. Tell me what your techniques are. He's just saying, we need to fill some air. Let's give listeners some surf coaching. And Pete didn't pick up what he was putting down, basically. And then there was like dead air and almost... To the point that I think a producer got in Pete's ear and go, hey, Pete, riff, tell people what they can do to help paddle, you know, because yeah. Pete did jump in almost like within the four seconds of dead air, he jumped in and then had a full schematic for how to paddle better, you know, but it was funny. Like, I think that's no big deal for Kaipo. Kaipo could have just improvised and then gave his own techniques or created a different but I, a different thing to discuss. But I think that Kaipo, after day, you know, five or six days at France, and now day one of Portugal of being let down by Pete constantly, it felt feels like Kaipo's just throwing his hands up in the air, going, "Dude, I can't do all of the heavy lifting. When I do have a run that I'm going on and a bunch of thoughts formulated, you interrupt me and I can't even get them out. So then I try to tee you up to talk, and you don't even take my tee up." So what the hell am I supposed to do now? That's what it feels like. Huh, that's interesting. Yeah. Well, we'll have to see how that plays out. There's a bunch of guys online just as we speak. They're all commentating about the commentators. It's funny. And, you know, of course, there's a million different opinions. Yeah. So, I mean, it's a tough job. And you and I certainly by co-hosting something or sitting in a glass house. No, it's but. tough. It's, it's a tough gig. How do you feel? Do you get or do you read any negative Internet feedback ever? And do you feel one way or the other about it? About who? about yourself um no you know I, I i mean there's a ton of negative stuff about me online just like there isn't probably you or anyone else that's sort of in the public eye but um you know for the most part some of it i probably deserve i'm willing to look at it and go yeah you know what maybe you're right you know like maybe i should you know who knows you know like i'm certainly you know <clears throat> not bob costas does it bum you out though yeah i'm pretty sensitive really yeah I'm a sensitive person, you know. It makes me realize that, you know, talking negative about people, even though, you know, certainly you and I have done our fair share. Throughout the course of the day today. <laughs> you know, I just try to focus on principles instead of personalities. Like, if there's a principle. And so the principle here is listening. Like, let's become better listeners. Yeah. And, you know, if we can focus on the principles rather than, you know, the hairdo. <laughs> Then, you know, maybe, maybe we'll be better off. But I guess, yeah, that's the thing is, um, 
if you do read negative feedback about yourself and it is personal attack, that's easy to write off because that person's just a dick who said it. But if it is about principle, then that's okay. You can learn from the principle and it's not personal. So yeah. you and I are kind of talking crap about Pete Mel right now. I'm not, by the way. Well, I haven't said anything so bad So maybe about I Pete am, Mel. but... I my, wouldn't say you are either. I think you're just... You're using that example to excavate the principle that needs to be discussed, which but if is Pete, being a better listener. But if Pete Mel listened to yes, this, he, he would be like bummed. You, yeah, you know what would, I mean? So I think it's important to keep that mindset whenever you read something about yourself, too. It's like, I don't dislike Pete Mel. I actually like Pete Mel. And I have my whole life. Like, I grew up watching him as a surfer. Like, he's an icon yeah. of sorts to me. Um, but this one particular there can be one particular thing about a person right. that they can improve on that it's totally okay to discuss that isn't shaming them you know what i mean so that's i think that's important to remember i would agree it's an it's an it, we're we're in an interesting place you know you and i to be able to we basically have to commentate with a bit of um responsibility you know and by the way anybody can be better at what they already do yeah so let's all just acknowledge that none of us are perfect oh you should hear the stuff i hear uh, people tell me about you (laughs) (laughs) dude i mean kelly slater has gotten more of our criticism than any other human being that we've ever talked about on the show and And he's the most qualified surfer in the world and we love him it's like He's the guy who should get the least criticism, but he gets the most. I you actually know? think so, he takes it the best. I mean, he's pretty good at taking so? Well, he gets it from everywhere. He probably doesn't even listen to us. He, he has to take it well he, after yeah, this many have, years exactly. of being in the spotlight. You exactly. Know? You have to take it well. I mean, um, we, we criticize him for commenting on social media. We're always like, oh, yeah. don't take the bait. And then, yeah. of course, we love it when he takes the bait. Yeah, like, yeah. he can't win, that poor guy. Yeah. It's kind of... The other thing that I always think about, too, is like, you will be your children's worst critic right because you love them the most yes you you have the most vested interest kelly in your them. child yes i love <laughs> kelly the most that's why i care so much about the decisions that he makes yeah I think you know i think there's some truth to but that. but it comes across probably as you're just their biggest critic and i feel like your kids probably feel like you're their biggest critic like yeah well, they can never get your approval i'm not saying you specifically no, no. i'm saying in general and but more specific to peter or to kelly they're also listening to us and going, who are these two clowns to even have a say? You yeah, know what I mean? Totally. Like, you know, we don't surf as good as they do. We don't comment apparently as good as they do, or we would be in there. We might have their job. Um, we're not as qual. You know, like it's like who gives you the? Just all you need is a microphone to start blasting us. In and today's I think world, that's, yes. But I think it's valid. I think that's where you need to kind of pull back and go. You know, dumb people talk about people. Smart people talk about principles. Brilliant people talk about ideas. It's close. Again, you got the quote real I, close. I did. I did. What is the quote? I've been trying to use. You got it. the sentiment correct right. in that quote, I but failed. I think some of the words are just. Which is what different. is so charming about when I talk into this microphone. I butcher it. The butcher um, of words. By the way, this this brings me up to this brings. Um, I, I think of backwards Finn Bath. Like I almost feel like she got shamed into leaving, and I kind of feel, so? even though I didn't have anything to do with it, nor did you. It's sort of all on Chaz and Beach Girl, <laughs> really, right? I mean, they put up the the, the billboard and the whole yeah, thing. Yeah. Like I feel sort of bad for her. Like do I you hope, really? I hope, yeah, I do. I hope she didn't leave because 
she was publicly shamed. Yeah, if if she left like, to me, that's a bummer. Like totally. that's really rude. If that's the reason why. Yeah, and I sense that that's the reason why. Why right. would you take a job and four months later be gone after you got publicly shamed on a billboard on the way to a massive event that your company runs? Um, she could have left for a million different reasons. I, I have no idea what I the know. reasons are. I, I agree. So I don't know either. But I and I'm hoping. I'm just saying. I feel sort of. I feel sort of bad. I, so I just if, don't think it was... If she left for that reason, if she felt like, oh my gosh, I joined this company that's a part of the surf world and the surf world vilified me incorrectly and I can't handle this amount of shame, I'm now going to quit my job, then yes, I would definitely feel bad about that. But I would also say that she has a pretty weak constitution. Um which now she's going to feel more shame about me <laughs> saying that new but, billboard <laughs> but but realistically she then took it entirely wrong here's the deal if you can't see the humor in putting your fins in backwards then you have no sense of humor and if yeah. you can't see you need to own it in a real public completely. way yeah. and like here's the deal we've all made mistakes in our jobs and if i went to go work in an industry that i didn't really know that well and then botched the most basic of fundamentals about that industry, I think I would laugh about it. I think I would definitely feel shamed and feel hurt by it and be like, oh man, I'm so embarrassed. But it wouldn't ruin me. It would, I would laugh about it. And I, I also, by the way, with Backwards Finn Beth specifically, if I saw her at the bar, at the Surf Ranch Pro, later in the evening, I would have been the first one to buy her a drink and been like, oh my God, Beth. That is so funny that you did that. Let me tell you about this time that I did something so embarrassing at my job. Like, let's laugh about it. It's not a matter of, you're a loser. Ha ha, you don't know how to surf. Like, it's none of that. It's just what this represents. And by the way. And I know Chaz feels that way too. Chaz is the first one that would, would wrap his arms around her and give her a hug. Like, people don't realize that about Chaz, but he just wants to engage. It's all in jest. Yeah. It's all in jest. And by the way. Beth, this isn't even a personal thing about you. Unfortunately, your name is tied to it, but this isn't yeah, even about you. it's almost a metaphor for it's the a metaphor. leadership of the WSL. It's a metaphor for we're concerned that the pe- the leadership in this organization, who are the Doesn't arbiters, of, yeah, who are the arbiters of surfing, Not don't really. even know how to go put that their... far. They're, arbiter, they're the arbiters of professional surfing. Yes, but that's a surfing. very very small pebble in well, a large ocean. And within professional surfing just the arbiters of competitive surfing because yeah, the, there's professional the administration surfing. of yeah. rather yeah, than yeah. the actual right because professional surfing is bigger than just comp which brings us to elo elo so funny story i don't know who eric logan is before this announcement comes up that eric logan is the new president of content media and wsl studios and that he came from the oprah network before any of this happened about a week before this happened i get it I get a direct message from a guy named Eric Logan. I'm like, I don't know who this is. What? Yeah. On my Instagram. And he's like, hey, my friend, blah, 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 a mutual friend of ours. I won't say who it is. Um, you know, says you're a great guy and blah, blah, blah. And let's hook up and have lunch if you're ever up here in L.A. And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. If, if I'm ever up there, I'd love to have a cup of coffee with you. And if you're ever down in Encinitas, come down and let's have a surf or whatever. Don't even know who he is. I just thought that's cool. Somebody said hi. I'm just going to say hi back. A week later, I find out this Elo guy is the friggin' president of the WSL or Content Media and WSL Studios. Well, so I'm like, t- I immediately, I immediately yeah. am like, let's go have lunch. I'll come up to your place. Right. I haven't heard back from him. Oh no. Yeah, he big leaked me. Although I might have got his email wrong. 
<laughs> that is such a likely possibility. I am so. Oh man, that I is did, on brand. I that did, is so on you. brand. Thank you. See how charming that is. Because I didn't DM him on Instagram. I I I saw the the press and, release and I went. Okay, if Sophia Goldschmidt's email is this and Prodan's uh, email is this, then his email must be the same. No, he's not even working for him yet. Right. So maybe he doesn't have an email. He doesn't have the email yet. Dude, f- chime back in on the same thread. We know he uses Instagram all day, every day, because yes. he posts more than anybody I've ever seen. Yes. And he's posting stories. Get back in the DMs, dude. Have that lunch meeting. He's the director of content, which means he wants to incorporate a Scott Bass podcast into the WSL's programming. Well, yeah, absolutely. I'm, I need to reach out to Eric and, and get a boardroom show podcast involved on the WSL, just as, frankly, your portfolio of stuff on the Surf no, Splendor side. He reached out to you. He wants right. your talent. Well, but, I don't, but I don't no, know if I think, talent's kind of a stretch. But I think, obviously, um, the timing of his direct message to you, I don't think, is coincidental. The timing I would of agree it with, with him taking this position isn't coincidental. So definitely follow up with that. Yeah. I think that's great. Uh, by the way, if he came down to Encinitas, you guys wouldn't be having a surf together. Why not? You'd be having an SUP together. Is that all he does? He doesn't lay down and surf? No. Strictly SUPs. All right. Well, all right. look, if it makes him feel good, I'm all for it. Good. Dude, I used to SUPs. That's what I only did for like maybe two or three years. Man. All I did was ride a stand. So that, that initial Except question. Except when it was big. If it was like in the winter, I would ride it. But for 80% of the, you know, San Diego, northern San Diego County time, I was on a stand-up. And that was right when it was taking off. Like it was this new fascinating thing. There was only a handful of us doing it. It was like 2003. I traveled with Dave Parmenter to Australia and did stand-up paddleboarding with Dave. So the conversation about are you a surfer, quote unquote, from the beginning of the show. Kelly Slater's online watching this. Sorry to interrupt. It's okay. You would be disqualified from that conversation based on that. Say this again? The conversation, are you a surfer or not? Right. The fact that you wrote an SUP for three years right. would disqualify you as a surfer. According to who? Uh, me. But you're not, you, you've disowned this concept of no, 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 surfer. Now I'm, you're now I'm all in again. Oh, you're back all in? Now you're I'm pointing back finger, in the mud. You're playing. building bro capital with all your surf bros. At I mean, the let's pier. just keep it real, dude. I, the, so here's my question to you. Yes. Why did you stop doing it? It what didn't it wasn't my dance anymore, you know? There wasn't okay. I couldn't perform my style on the wave. I couldn't First of all, you're holding a paddle like it doesn't allow your hand jive, my hand jive, which is sadly all I have left is like hand jive in a bottom turn. You know, and 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 the thickness of the board, it lacks sensitivity. I mean, if, ideally we could get down to a super thin board, you're gonna be closer to the energy and get that feeling that we all love. Yeah. It's like, you know, why ride a boat when you can ride just a skimboard? I mean, really that's what Tom Kern and Kelly are trying to do is get as much of the board out of the way because you're more you're closer to the energy, you're closer to the source of the spirit, you know, the the whole energy you know, a, a moving wave from the North Pacific. You're really tapping into it. Yeah. So why'd you do it? What was the big... It was fascinating. It was a new thing, you know. Um, but three years is not a short period of time to... Well, it was all evolving. I mean, there was new equipment. We, we were all just... It was like a fascinating time to be at the cutting edge of this thing. There was new... I mean, the first paddle I got was a wooden paddle I bought from some guy in British Columbia who just happened to be a kayak builder, you know. Like, like we were searching around and then all of a sudden... I, in Hawaii, it was really taking off. Dave was living over there at Makaha, and all of those guys were doing it. And Todd Bradley was, 
sending me carbon fiber paddles and all this and like board design concepts where we were taking stuff from Dick Brewer rails and but having a, a thick board thick enough to ride but then pinching the rails like a Brewer rail at sunset and just all of these it was just just new we were narrowing the board as narrow as we could get and trying to shorten the board almost to a place where I thought they were too short and we were all sort of just experimenting with this fun new thing sort of I think the way that foiling is yeah now. that's like, exactly what I was thinking yeah um interesting it was new and exciting yeah it's interesting well uh in the interest of time you know what i like to say tell me first to start first to quit that's sort of a that's something a surfer would say maybe i'm a wave rider now now i say <laughs> you know what more power to you um i strive to be a wave rider. You were, you, that you, might be a cool you, bumper sticker you were first to podcast so what's your end date on that <laughs> Some would suggest not soon enough. Get this guy off the air. Um, in the interest of time, what do you got on your notes? Because we got to, I got to. The attack on the young man in Lacadia was confirmed to be a great white shark. Oh, it was. I didn't yes. know that. Um, How do they confirm that? Just on through their DNA bike? testing. Oh, yeah. They they like grabbed his wetsuit and his. You know, they they pulled DNA from the kid. Hmm. And um, what else I have is interestingly. I think we talked about this. The Women's Waimea Bay Championship is happening this year. It's called the Red Bull Queen of the Bay. Here's what I noticed. What do you think the holding period is for this event? I would think it would be two months long, three months long. When? I would go November 1st through, let's say, February 1st would make sense. Makes tons of sense. Here's the holding period for the Red Bull Queen of the Bay. October 1 through November 21. What? That is the waiting period for this event. I saw that and I went, this might be a typo. I think it might be a typo. I don't know if it's a typo, but that's what I grabbed when I was doing research on this. Why? And, I, and that's what stood out to me, that they're, they're really going to diss these girls by half. The bay won't even break till December 30th or something. I mean, did, uh, is there... Is it more expensive to have a longer window? I don't know I the mean, reasoning, but that seems like a lame period to have your waiting period. October 1st to November 21st. Yeah. They basically have a month left. Good luck. Yeah. And not the right months not to the even right set months. the no. waiting period. Yeah. That's You'll bizarre. get a big north swell, and but are you going to get a big northwest swell in, in a month? Maybe. But it seems odd. Anyway, pad, that's so, they got. It must be a permitting issue. I'm sure they wanted more. Yeah, Pipe had an opening day uh, last week, uh, early oh. early season. Yeah, as good as which it is gets. Pretty amazing. It was yeah. as good as it gets. And I thought it was a joke at first. I was like, oh, somebody's posting footage from last year. But um, what else? The BSR water quality at the Barefoot Ski Ranch. Um, I'm sure you saw this. It was kind of big news. Uh, after a multi pronged investigation. Um, tests done by both the Waco County Health District, the Texas State Health Services, and the federal U.S. Center for Disease Control. They, in their investigation um, resulted in a detection of evidence of this amoeba, which sadly caused Fab Stabile or Stable to pass away. So there is evidence that the... the um, environment was ripe for such an amoeba to exist well they detected the amoeba there's a bunch of different bodies of water at that 
PSR Cable Park, and they detected it in the, cable the unlined lake that's used for water skiing, right. right? Unlined meaning there's no liner in it. It's just open to the elements like any other lake would be, whereas the wave pool is a totally different environment, and they didn't detect it there, but... They actually detected it where the drain from the Little Bro pool enters. area enters the Cable Park Pond, now, which is an untreated, unlined lake used for water skiing. That's not enough evidence, right, to correlate his death with the BSR Cable Park. You can't, right? Yeah, I don't think any of them are, are like, there's no absolute here. So if... But I'm, it's the only what, place they could imagine it came from based on his travel, his experience, where he was. Okay. This is the only freshwater um, body of water that he was in. Got it. That was going to be my follow-up question is just, I want to know where he got it from, just for my own well-being. Like, if it wasn't there, where was it? And then can I avoid those places? Pretty interesting quote. I think one that needs to be read here is that... Um, is that BSR owner Stuart Parsons, uh, his surf resort currently meets every standard for safety. He indicated that he's currently working with a North Carolina company to implement a state-of-the-art filtration system to make our water in the surf on the Lazy River and on the Royal Flush side as clear and clean as humanly possibly. And we're doing this by working very close with local state and the CDC. We didn't know about this disease, and now the whole world knows about it, Parsons told the Waco Tribune Herald. We're going to go above and beyond with filtration systems. I don't want to worry about surfers or my kid getting in the water and getting sick. So that's good news for, for them. I think that's that's good insight. I was So Stuart and his family were in the pool while I was there. Like they, We were in the pool together, not the wave pool, but the actual like um, swimming pool which sits next to the bar that overlooks the wave pool. Like we is were that chlorinated and a sw has swimming pool blue water or is that fresh water in that thing? That's a swimming pool. I think it's chlorinated. Was it like blue, like a swimming pool? Yeah, like you yeah. felt like you were in a yeah. swimming pool. Okay. Yeah. And so we were just hanging out watching the Mason Ho and all those guys surf in the evening and Stuart showed up with his family and they were playing in the pool too. So, I mean, you can imagine the threat, not not only to his business that he feels, but also for his own well-being, his family's well-being, all that stuff. I mean, that's a frightening scenario to have on your hands. So, Absolutely. Not en enviable at all to no, be in that position. But good things are going to come of this. Sadly, it comes at the cost of a, a, a young surfer's life. So that's horrible. Crazy. Um, well... Dukes, kooks, must-see moments. Do you have other things before we get to that? I feel like you didn't break down Elo enough, but Elo, um, what do you? I mean, what are your thoughts? He's the president of content media at WSL Studios. I mean, I'm is he the new is is the is the survival of the WSL as we know it now firmly on his hands? Does he have no. a no? I is he in charge of competition? I don't no. understand what content media and WSL studios means he's the president of those three things I feel like that those three things need to be fleshed out more because content to me means everything that the Agreed. WSL puts out yeah he's in charge of and that I means competitions true. yeah well in control of how it looks you know the aesthetic the distribution channels things like that I think is what he's control in right. control of everything um, we see from the WSL comes through the filter of Eric Logan Agree or disagree? Agreed. But you start at the top of the triangle, right? And he's and I think his thing would be, what is our brand identity? 
Uh, how do we tell the stories? What are the aesthetics for all of the packaging? All right. that sort of thing. Now, maybe he decides we want to release um, two feature-length documentaries a year. Okay, well, this year, who should those people be? Now, who do we put in place to execute those? We have 11 world tour events this year okay so within that we're going to have 18 different mini documentaries so who are we going to feature in those what storylines are there who's going to be a world title contender so we need to follow that person around with a camera for the entire year and then from that we're going to generate 300 instagram one minute long videos that'll coincide with all this other stuff you know you're just creating that triangle that's what he's doing everything that you and i see as an end user, is going to be coming from Eric Logan. Agreed? Yes. I think that's true. And that would mean perhaps the commentators. That means the way the set looks. That means what they're, what they're wearing. The direction of their commentary itself. There's other people... There's I, other portions of the WSL that would have a vested say in those things. Him. Well, no, like the... The commentators, the staff? no, the commentators though, he would have a say in, but not the final say, because that also reflects other portions of the WSL's business. Who? How? How so? It seems to me that if he's the president of content, which is the competitions and all the other things, let's just focus on the competitions. Then he's the guy that's like, okay, here's what I see. The commentary's good here. The commentary's not so good here. Let's do this. Let's change this. Let's bring Rosie over here. Let's put Strider here. I think Strider's better served here. All of this stuff, in my opinion, comes through, uh, finds its way at the top to his office, to his desk. Yeah. So everything we see beginning, I'm sure it'll take a little bit maybe, but I would say to you next season, everything we see beginning in March with the Quicksilver Pro, or is it the Snapper Rocks Pro? I don't know. Well, everything we see at the beginning of the 2019 season is going to come from the filter of his desk and his vision for what this should be. So 2019 could be interesting. And we're going to be able to put it all at his feet. The good, the bad, yeah. the ugly, the great. Yeah. It's uh, it's a lot of work for him. I think a lot of that stuff will already be in place when he takes the job. I mean, he's starting. Certainly he wants to put his stamp on it. Of course. He's starting in January. Right. And the first event of the year is either in the end of February or the beginning of March. I forget what the schedule is this year. Um, so that's only two months to build out an entire content strategy. That's not enough time. Um but I think that it's an indicator to me that the WSL has bigger aspirations than you and I are even factoring in right now. It it makes me think that there are, like I said, feature films in the works that are going to end up on Netflix, stuff like that, uh, because the, running the own network is so much more comp- vast than the WSL's content that they put out. Um, the own network, by the way, not only has its own channel on television, it's got all sorts of social channels, podcasts, uh, just tons of stuff, you know? So it, it's odd. It's a odd career move for him to make, I think. Um, and maybe it's just a passion play. I know he lives in the South Bay and he has surfing's a huge part of it, or SUPing is a huge part of his life, that maybe it's just he wants to be closer to home with the family and focus on something that he's really passionate about, you know? Gut feeling, tell me right now, is this going to be good for you and I, the, the fan, the end fan, the end base user, or is this going to be bad for us? I say it's good. Do you feel like more salts in the building now? No. So you don't buy into his. 
I the reason the reason why surfer will start back there. No, the reason why I think it's good isn't to do with him being qualified as a surfer. Right. I think that it's good that they're bringing in very capable professionals who have a track record of success building something, and um, that for me is more important. Like, look, I, I mean, I just want them to generate interesting content, like. I think yeah. he has the ability to generate interesting content and make it available through distribution channels yeah. that I will be able to see it on. Right. You know? I would agree with that. And I also believe that, look, when I'm they... I'm all for giving him a, 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 a solid and even completely. fair shake. And I think he can do this. And I would also trust that he will put creatives in place to create the interesting content. I'm not... I don't... The reason why the salt part doesn't matter to me is I don't think he's the one who's going to be mandating... Okay, now we're doing a line of SUP documentaries right. or no, something no, I like that. that. I, I think he'll bring He's going to have people below him that are experts in the space. And he's going to DM on Instagram and say, hey, do you want to have lunch next week? Show me where the salt is. You know what I mean? Yeah. That might be what that meeting's yeah, about. Like, hey, who do we tap into who really is the heartbeat of core surfing? And how do we help tell those stories? That might be what, the, you know? Scott? Somebody just chimed in on here. They're having their post heat post-event wrap-up somebody chimed in tell peter mel to stop interrupting please yeah it's mainly due to the interrupting i think mm. well which um, i do which i'm good at well i'm excited for your meeting dude i hope it happens um, i'll have to reach out to him it's funny because when it happened i'm like how did i how did how did we communicate last time and i i looked on facebook i thought maybe it was facebook then i looked on my email i couldn't find anything on email and I think it was through Instagram, so I'm going to have to hunt it down. Does he want to get a booth at the boardroom show? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. We're psyched on Wayne Lynch being the guy we're honoring, though. Yeah. Super psyched. All I right. just ordered a new board from Stu Kenson. By the way, Stu Kenson will be on the next boardroom oh, podcast. I don't know enough about him. I was fascinated by some of the boards he's building, some of the techniques that he's using. He's heavily involved in state-of-the-art vacuum bag epoxies with no stringers which is what I just ordered from him. Sort of like Javier, but without the XTR extruded polystyrene foam blanks, rather the expanded, the right. EPS, the standard EPS that we're all used to through Marco and US blanks. Right. Interesting. Cool. Yeah. Um, well, Julian Wilson, my Duke, for um, delivering on his potential. Is that so much to ask? That's all we've been asking, Julian. The big deliver question, on your potential. And the big question is, as we know, he sort of has this roller coaster ride. Will he continue on an upward arc here, or will he have a letdown? And we both agree, based on today's discussion, that he's going to continue moving upward. My epiphany. Did we just jinx him? No, because he's fighting for something so much greater now, and that is his daughter. Right. So my epiphany was that final minute of tour notes, which I will post on spitpodcast.com you see it i just see it i just saw him come in hug them talk to them cry it out and i just went oh this is the difference this is the new julian bigger purpose so i love it i sent you my must-see moment a happy moment spy optic it's a very happy late drop pulling into a barrel and um and i also posted one on the instagram spit podcast the spit podcast instagram a must-see happy moment. What was it? You'll have to go on there and look and just disregard any of the um, hatred, yeah, homophobia that you <laughs> oh, might okay. find. On. Uh, I guess I owe an apology to the listeners and to your father. 
You don't. You don't at all. My dad, like, it was nothing. But um, I want you to unpack your spy optic happy moment, your must-see happy moment okay. from today. I would love to know if you even know who the surfer is and yeah, the location a, that he's surfing at. He's a NorCal at. guy. He's an O'Neill rider. Get out of here. Okay, Already go. wrong. Okay, go ahead. Already wrong. Fill me in. Soli Bailey. Yeah, Soli Bailey. Is he from Santa Cruz? Oh. Australian. Come on. It looks like a, a, a Santa Cruz type wave. It must be somewhere down in South Sydney or something. Uh, I love that you are not blowing up the spot. Let's not name the spot. Okay, good idea. Let's not name the spot. But I love the idea, too, of uh, our must-see moment now being the must-see happy moment. Yes. You know why I was happy to see that, Scott? Why? Because it was in the ocean. Exactly. It was not in a wave pool. It was a freak wave, and the guy navigated and negotiated it in split-second reaction. He didn't know what was coming. He Did had you say split-second reaction? You could. Let's do that from now on. Split-second reaction? Um. So the reason why we must see happy is because Spy Optic has the happy lens. The only, uh, it's a patented lens technology, right. actually, that yeah. lets the good light in, keeps the bad light out, and they keep Scott and I happy with flowing us with sunglasses. I've got mine right here. And snow goggles. Yes. Um, so if you ever are in the need for anything optic-related, spyoptic.com. Use the promo code podcast, and you will directly support this show. Please do. My must-see happy moment, Scott. You know, I'm super bummed on just kind of surf film as a medium, kind of constricting and going away. Like that long-form, 45-minute surf film that we all know and love, that we grew up with. It's kind of gone away because technology has changed, our short attention span, and filmmakers who have any interest... You know, they, they now take commercial jobs making stuff that is advertorial uh, for these brands, which I totally understand, but there's no money in the long-form film anymore, and that's why they're not devoting their time to it. Well, here's where I see happy through this prism. Have you found the Surf Network yet on Amazon? No. You, know, you know the Surf Network has existed for a while now. Yeah. It's a website, and they've been archiving. Is it Ira Oppers? It is, yeah. yeah. So Ira Opper's been archiving surf films like buying the rights to them digitizing them and making them available on the surf network yeah you can go to their website and stream them with a subscription like netflix which i always appreciated and i had reverence for but i wasn't gonna go to a different website than all the ones that i already go to just to do this thing well he partnered last month with amazon so now you can get it as part of your prime membership Killer. yeah so that is what I'm happy about. If you uh, haven't figured it out already, Amazon Prime, Surf Network subscription, all the surf films, and he's got a lot of things on there, like almost anything you could think of. Well, you should watch A past. Day in the Life of Wayne Lynch, which is where I watched that off oh, of Iris Surf Network. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cool. Which is the Patagonia. Oh, no, that's not No, no, the it's just a short show. film by Jack McCoy. It was got done it. in the that's late right. 70s. It's really cool. It's so, like 12 minutes long. It's perfect length. <laughs> well... Uh, not a part of the Surf Network, but Kissed by God, the Andy Irons doc, is now on Amazon Prime, too. Oh, I need so to watch that. So if you want to watch that. I, I think it's like that. six bucks to rent. Yeah. So anyways, uh, check those things out. Must see. Happy moment. Thank you, Spy Optic. By the way, our other sponsor, Neat Essentials. I'm going I just got my new suit. Oh, you did? Yeah. What'd you get? I got a new 3-2 chest zip with nice. the quick dry. Nice. I want to say it was like 160 bucks, something like that. No brainer, dude. It's kind of like the level above the normal back zip 3-2. I wore it for the first time two days ago. Super buttery, tight, 
not tight in a bad way like you know yeah perfect it's like loved it good and super stoked on neat essentials and i bought my son a new four three for his sojourns in the water nice yeah sneedessentials.com i stopped by the their office um i think it was last week after a surf just because i wanted to grab trunks and a wetsuit top for hawaii and randomly listeners walked in so like while i'm sitting there chatting with rob uh picking up my stuff two guys walk in they look at me and they're like dude David, yeah, that's the Chapa. Oh my gosh! And yeah. he was actually going to Mexico, the same spot that you went. Oh, cool! He even said that he's like, "Yeah, I'm going to the same exact spot that Scott went." There's swell on forecast. He was leaving the very next day, so he was picking up trunks for that Killer. trip too. Killer. So, yeah, it's nice to see the, you know, loop get closed. Like, that. I hope he had one of the Neat Essentials wet dry bags because that's that was. I wore the trunks every day down there, but the wet dry bag was super crucial for the boat. Yeah. Awesome. Well, neatessentials.com, thanks for the support. And listeners, thanks for the support. It was great to see, have that interaction and see that people actually are supporting. So uh, spitpodcast.com is where you find everything. It's also where you ch- throw some change in the bucket, the donation bucket, to help Scott pay his uh, speeding ticket. And then <laughs> I'm going to get one for using a handheld device for watching the WSL events. So I'm going to need to pay that bill pretty soon. And uh, tell listeners about the Spit Podcast Instagram account. I've never seen it. I don't know. Does one even exist? <laughs> oh, my God. Here's my other This thought. is our challenge, listeners, to get David to engage the Spit Podcast Instagram account. Here's my other thought. I don't know why you wouldn't. Don't you love the show? Don't you love yeah, the yeah. listeners? Here's my other thought about that conversation. You have 18,000 followers on your other account. I have 10,000 followers on my account. Right. Why wouldn't we push the show through those channels that have a vast larger reach? I agree, but I would suggest to you that they're not, that Spit is definitely off brand with Boardroom Show. And I think you would agree with that. Yeah. Because we're kind of irreverent in Spit. Yeah. And I do need to keep the brand, you know, contained, so to speak, the Boardroom Show. And I just, think, I just think they're just polar opposites and it's smart to separate them and i will say this to listeners i would i challenge david to now help me manage it and guide me along so that he's proud of it so that he'll be a part of the instagram account like hmm. what needs to happen you know and i, I was i just felt like you got too much work you do a 90 percent of the administration on everything that we do together you and i be it the boardroom show podcast or the spit podcast and then you have like eight other podcasts that you deal with so I just thought, look, I'll take some of the no, burden off. So I'm asking listeners to needle David towards engaging in the Spit Podcast like Instagram account. And I'll change. I'll give him the reins. If he wants the reins, I'll give him no, the you're, reins. No, you're absolutely right. I don't want the reins. Yeah, that's what I but thought. So that's, so that's but my you point. have to be a part of it for it to be. I mean, it's us. It's our show. Yeah, I agree with all that. I agree with everything you're saying. I, because I have eight different podcasts, made a decision at one point. I was like, shoot, do I have eight different Instagrams? No, no, no. I'll just funnel everything through one channel because it's too tedious to manage all that stuff. But I also agree with you that there is um, our Certainly own, own dynamic. podcast, you would argue, is the mothership of everything you've done. Through Surf Splendor. Oh, no, that's not true. You had Surf Splendor before. I started Surf Splendor before. That's right. But it was episode five for me was when we first connected. Oh, so. So it was early days for sure. I guess the question is, does it deserve its own Instagram? It's part of the DNA for sure. Does it deserve its own Instagram account? Um, From a business decision, from my standpoint, 
I would run everything through one channel, but I also do fully understand and hear what you're saying, which is why I want to kind of... I remember you... I'm sorry to interrupt. No, it's okay. But I remember you saying, Scott, you need to take ownership of on your boardroom show, Instagram, of promoting our show, Spit. Yeah. And I was like, well, they don't... They're, they're definitely different brands. Agreed. You would and not so post Fagatinos on, on the boardroom show? I wouldn't show. post anything about Spit on there. And I don't. Because I think it's yeah. first. I've got boardroom no, podcast I, now, which is I agree, which is completely. on brand and yeah, needs yeah. to be on there. And then I, that's confusing for listeners. Although we do, it would be wise to tap into the twenty thousand Instagram account viewers that I have. Yeah, I. You know what? Honestly, I'm kind of endeared to the Spit Podcast Instagram for the reasons that you're even saying. Like, uh, the. I don't know what, like you running it yourself and the fact that it is unique from the boardroom show or unique from everything else that I'm doing is reflective of the show. You know what I mean? Like it fits the show's personality well. Yeah. So I'm totally, I'm actually fine with it. I'm not anti it at all. And I think it's funny that I don't engage with it. And I think it's funny that listeners will now needle me to engage, which I'll have to dig my heels in and not engage, you know, oh like all God. of that which, works. For which me. means how do we get you to engage? Exactly. And apparently shaming isn't working. So we have to go the other way. But it's all just praise you. That always works. <laughs> oh, my God. False praise. No, true praise. Is we'll what see works. about that. This is a record length show, Scott. You want to know where we're at? Um, 145. 149. Good guess. Wow. It's almost like you have a clock or something in front well, of you. Well, I, I do these for a living. Awesome. Well, Scott, um, when... What's next? When can we look forward to Stu Kenson is what I want to know. Probably, probably, I mean, when was Bird... How about, can you get it up on Monday? Yeah. Okay, did you already so, record it? Yeah. Oh, it's been perfect. Recorded. I did it yesterday. So Monday. Yeah. And I got Gary Linden on the hook. He's in Portugal for the big wave thing. I think is opening. I'm trying to get Gary Linden. I randomly saw him um, and he was having um agave board. No, it was actually a balsa board being cut, like a balsa fish. He's doing this whole line of balsa boards, like these kind of heirloom project boards that were unbelievable. So talk to him about that. I will. Yeah. All right. Okay. Until next time, adios and aloha. your lips when your face looks sad it made me think about him and that you still loved him so I'm waiting.